0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, do you spend your workday putting out fires left and right, but you still make it through the day? Does that resonate with you? Are you treading with your head just above the water, metaphorically gasping for air? Have you been there for so long that you don't even realize your business is slowly drowning you? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, it's CARM. Hey, John Burkhouser and I, he's the Director of Education at Bolton Technology. We tackle the gasping for air issue. Now I guarantee you'll relate to many moments in this decisive interview. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, Apex and Shopware. You know, I always look forward to Apex. It's always oh, become, for me, a homecoming for aftermarket professionals. Now keep your ear to the ground for more information right here on Apex 2023. You know, priorities change in a heartbeat, so shouldn't your shop management system reflect that? Well, if you use shopware, it does. The built-in expediter lets you shuffle jobs around based in real time for maximum efficiency. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. John Burkhauser, Director of Education, Bolt-On. Hi, John.
1: How are you doing, Carm? I'm so glad that we got together.
0: We spent some time on the phone, and we were just chatting about stuff. And it ended up that I found out that John was a former lifeguard, which I found so fascinating. And as we were challenging our think about positive things in the industry and some of the challenges that we have, this whole lifeguard thing came up. Is your business drowning you? And we had so much fun with the analogy. And here's what always happens when we have these calls previous to turning on any recorder is we said, man, can we duplicate this in the studio? So here we are and and I sure hope that it benefits everyone and you know the th- a couple of the thoughts that that I had John was when you said hey we used to have a pole to pull people out of the water I wonder what that is for struggling business hmm interesting
1: Carm I think the whole thing is about the business understanding what's happening to them what they're doing in the environment that they are in and I think that's why the whole lifeguard drowning thing came up. And if you want, let me go through it so everyone understands what we're talking about. But as Carm noted before is that I was a lifeguard in my late teens through my 20s. And one of the things I learned uh, is that when somebody drowns, it's not like TV where they're up three times, which I never understood. I think are up three times, why can't they get out? But anyway, when people drown in real world, it's a very subtle thing sometimes. It's just a look on their face. It's It's them just realizing it. they're out of panic and they're about to give up. And what that made me think of is the way a lot of shops work every day. They're so busy in the now. They're so busy doing everything they can to keep their mouth and their nose out just like a drowning person would. It's exactly the same situation because a drowning person, as long as they can maintain that breathing and everything that's going on, you know, they're panicking, but they're getting through. And that's the way it kind of sounds like a lot of shops are. They're running, putting out fires and panicking they get through each day and if they still have air at the end of the day they consider themselves to be in a great place so to go further with the analogy is that when you have a drowning person the red cross says hey you should do everything you can from land before you jump in because that's how a lot of double drownings occur when someone jumps in and thinks they can save them they both drown but anyway let's get back to the path we're here for the experience here is that if i take a pull and try to reach out to the person because they're close enough to the side Many times they're not going to reach for it. They're so busy doing this whole bit to keep themselves up and down. They can't see anything else. And though I'm there giving them a haul, which is a solid way to get back out of the water, they won't reach for it because they realize as soon as this stops happening, as soon as they stop the method, whatever it is to keep their mouth, they're going to sink. They're going to go underwater slightly. And we all know that if they go underwater slightly, they can still reach up and grab that pole and pull themselves out. And the flip side, too, is that I can throw um, a ring, a ring buoy out to a person, and it's the same story. They still need to grab it, but there's that big fear that as soon as I stop doing whatever I'm doing, because this is what the way I've been doing it forever, I'm going to go underwater. And eventually, they grab a hold, and we can pull them out, or you go in and push it into their hands and make them grab it and take it. And that there, I have been told, I've given this example to a fair number of people that are in the business. And they say, you know, that's really true. That's kind of how shops are working. That's the discussion that started Carmen and I talking about what we're here now for.
0: You treaded water. Your ego continues to tell you to tread water. And if every once in a while you could swallow some of it, it may shock you. I'm just trying to come up with uh, an analogy for people because I know if you're listening, you're probably on top of your world and you come to the podcast to continue to affirm and confirm that you're doing a lot of things right or pick up a great idea that you can share with someone who is struggling. I mean, we're joining networking groups, 20 groups every day in our industry and they do help people. But after that meeting, you've got to continue to have resources yourself, call a friend kind of thing. And this is what we do here in advance in the aftermarket on the show. So we're doing this so that maybe we can inspire just one more person To actually come on shore.
1: Reach out and know that you might get a mouthful of water, but that might be the best water you've ever drank.
0: Wow. In this spiral of treading, almost let's take it into the shop, John, about getting vehicles in, getting them out, getting them in and getting them out and maybe failing in so many ways not to do a proper inspection maybe not to do the proper training and stop for a moment and says, hey, we got we gotta put some training in our, if you will, timeline of life. So many things that could be done.
1: And, you know, one thing I like to say, thank you for reminding me that this is not everybody out there. It's certain shops that are doing the drowning thing, but others, as Carm just said, you folks have got it together, but maybe we're gonna offer something that's gonna make it even better for you. Answering the question or um, making a statement to um Everyone thinks more cars. Everyone thinks more vehicles, higher car counts and all that stuff. But the thing is, when you really look at it, if you take a look at every step that you have to do from the time the vehicle arrives to your lot, goes through your shop, gets written up and everything, and then they pay the bill and leave, there's a ton of steps that have to happen. So if you're going to increase your car count, and I know there's people out there right now going, that's the only way to do it. But if you increase your car count, that same series of steps is going to work, have to work with every vehicle. And it's going to be at a different phase with each vehicle. And that there introduces problems. So if we take a step back now and think about why I'm saying car count isn't going to be the main way to improve your income and everything it like is, Because if we slow down, and there we go, there's that person in order that has to stop doing something to make something. If we slow down, and we get each vehicle in, and we spend more time on that vehicle, I can assure you that your bottom line is going to increase because you're going to be able to find more. And you're also, because you're moving less vehicles through your shop, you're not working as hard. And you know what? No one ever thinks about this side of higher car count. What about the wear and tear on your people and your equipment by moving vehicles in and out all the time? And how many times do you hit each other vehicles because there's so much movement going on? When you really sit down and think about it, and think about every step that has to happen to each vehicle to make it a good service visit, I think you might recognize that car count isn't necessarily the way to go.
0: I know there's two different uh, factions, and maybe three in our industry. John, to your point, the car count and slow down to speed up and do a really thorough inspection—you know, the 300 percent rule. And offering up the findings of your inspection. And some of the best car count people are successful, making money. That's how they're built, John. Thank God there is a strategy out there for dynamical speed. I don't know if that's the right term. Okay. Demonic speed. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a, there's another strategy to, you know, slow down to speed up and If it's successful for everyone, great. But if what you're doing isn't working and you feel like you're treading water and there's no P-R-O-F-I-T in your business, and at the end of the day, your people go home and they can't even lift their arm to drink a beer because they're so tired, then maybe you have to stop and think, you know, could we do something slightly different?
1: And again, you make another great point. And this is why I'm so happy to be able to talk to you, Carm, because your experience with talking to people builds a big picture. And some of us get a little narrow in our picture. And what I mean here is that there are shops that will be able to increase car count, and they're going to be able to make more profit, as you spelled the word out. Shops are all different. They all have different thumbprints, fingerprints, and that's the way I say So, you really can't case them all into one discussion because something's going to work good for other shops that some shops can't work with. And as you said, you might learn something from this process or this discussion that we're having right here that may help move your shop a little bit further.
0: I'm never more impressed of late, maybe the last six months. You know, I talked to so many coaches, so many top professionals that come on the show to tell their stories. This is what we do in podcasting. And it's all about profit of late. And I think the trend in business today is to recognize that you're there to make money. Our episode on Despair with Kevin Eckler, he says, Oh my God, I bought the part for 10 and I charged the guy 15 because he's a nice guy and, you know, and I should make a whole lot of money. Well, he struggled for 20 years until he finally found a coach that slapped him upside one head and then down the other. And now he's buying his second place and he could have never done it. Building a training center and giving back to the industry. So when I think about the hard hardness of Kevin's granite head, and he wouldn't be pissed that I said that because he would say, you're right, Carm. I, I finally had to realize that it was not only for me, my family, but my business family that I had to get that ugly word profit out of my head and realize that it was a life-sustaining word. Now, I don't know if Kevin is a car count guy or he's a slow down to speed up guy. I don't know. But he realized that he had to change. He was treading water for 20 years, John.
1: It's a long time.
0: It's a long time. He lost a marriage over
1: it. That's so true. I mean, that's the other side of my approach and my reaching out to you to have this conversation is that If you were only able to work eight hours, we know in this field, an eight hour day is a short day. You know, for many people, it's going to be a lot more hours, but that's a third of your day that you're spending out of your home, away from your family and everything of that sort. And if you can take that eight, 10, 12 hours, well, get it down to eight hours and come home and be energized and ready to go, that's going to change your whole outlook on life. And that's actually going to feedback into your business because your outlook's going to change and things are going to go smoother
0: you have a few gray hairs i have a bunch and don't ask me why we got onto this old time stuff and every once in a while you get a couple of old timers getting very you remember you know remember the guys were doing drum breaks and they just jumped right in it and they took it all apart it was their first drum break and then what happened
1: well, the scary thing about this is that, you know, we all go through it. The first time we take our brakes apart, I was an instructor for 10 years. I taught post-secondary automotive. And I remember time and time again, the students being so excited to do their drum breaks that they took both sides apart and laid everything out. But they never, ever thought about how the, does this all go back together? That I've seen over and over again when being an instructor. And unfortunately, I've actually seen it in a shop. Where this gentleman, the parts weren't there, so let's just take it all apart. But when the parts arrived, it took him two and a half hours to put it back together. The learning curve, that day that it hurts, the day that you went underwater a little bit, because you realize that this is not the way that it works. You're going to take one side apart and then look at the other if you need to, or because everyone's got a phone in their pocket taking a picture of it, so you know exactly how it goes. You learned. You slip backwards, but you learned. (laughs)
0: Hey, Carm here. Now, when it comes to technical and management training, nothing beats the caliber of classes and expert trainers that Apex puts together for Repair Shop HQ. And that's because a panel of shop owners selects the best training that will drive your business forward. Training is geared toward shop owners, service advisors, and technicians. Technical classes will include ADAS and calibrations, hybrid and electrical vehicle case studies, CAN bus diagnostics, electrical diagnosis, and using current probes to diagnose drivability dilemmas. On the management side, you'll learn marketing strategies that work, employee retention practices, building a culture that employees will embrace, and more. Expert trainers in this year's lineup include Mike Reynolds, John Thornton, Eric Ziegler, Greg Bunch, Bill Haas, and Kim, and Brian Walker. Repair Shop HQ Training will take place at Apex, November 1st through the 3rd in Las Vegas. To learn more, go to com slash training. You know, nothing tells a customer they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or broken one in their hands. Now, how do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's actually very easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform, It's like nothing else you've ever seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business's potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day, and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. Take it from me, GetShopware.com. I got to ask you a really important question about being an instructor. So you watch the students come in to do their drum breaks way back in the day for the first time, and you know what? It has everything to do with whatever things are current today today. Think of the instructor, the power of the instructor to let it happen and not stop the student and say, I really think you should do this and I think you should wait to do that because you want to leave the other side on so you can come back and look look on both sides. Think about, is it proper to let them get in trouble knowing you can bail them out? Your own people, your own processes, your own family, your own children, is it okay to stretch and let him get in a little deeper but you let people like a coach would taking on a client who's struggling for the first time who's listening to the story realizing he's going to be a work of art if we're done with this piece of clay and having to learn i mean is it a talent of an instructor to let someone fail a little bit and then climb up and out and learn
1: yes you have to because you know this is where a lot of this everything we're talking about comes down to you as an individual have your own attitude you have the stone head you have your own thing going on that if i were to turn around and say hey you don't want to do this or i stop you and it doesn't bite you unfortunately you're not going to get it you know so yes i'm going to let those students you know door problems there's an electrical issue in a door i remember talking to a student i said okay let's diagnose the next thing i come there and a the whole doors apart <laughs> i'm like well how are we going to diagnose it when it don't even work now because I mean, it's all apart And that's a big learning event because that way they realize that excitement that they have to do something has to be contained and they have to do it in a number of steps. If you tell them, I can tell you a million times to do something, but you're never going to do it until you internalize it. And hopefully it doesn't take having both drums apart and learning the lesson the hard way.
0: I love what you said about no bite. I think that was phenomenal. If you think about it, if we didn't recognize that we had a bite, It kind of stung. If you don't recognize you're drowning, bite and drowning are the same thing. If you recognize that you're struggling, the rule of holes, digging a hole is you got to know when to stop. So what do you do when you're listening to this is, okay, great, guys. Thank thank you for sharing with what's going through my mind, the situation in life that I am. Carm, give me a solution. John, give me a solution. Well, by the way, I only have 30 of them sitting right here that I could read off or not read off, but just plain old tell you what to do and not necessarily will you do if I tell, but you have to want to,
1: right? You have to step out of your shoes and that's really, really difficult. I do have somewhat of a dealership background. And one of the things that I used to do with new hires, not all of them, but just, you know, a few is that when I brought them on board their first day, paper and pencil Your job today is I want you to walk around and see how things run. And I want you to write any questions or anything that you see that's unusual that you want to know more about. Or if you see us doing something that you have questions about why we're doing it that way, I want you to write it down. We can talk about what that did for me is gave me a fresh set of eyes. Someone that's not even familiar with the place coming around and asking questions, um, very simple questions. And sometimes they see something that you're doing and you've done forever. And they're like, well, why do you do it that way? You know, why Why are you doing it that way? Wouldn't it be easier to do it this way? And you're like, holy cow. And know it that, that paid off so well for me the few times that I did it, that's why I did it over and over again. But I think also that helps that individual learn your business and how everything goes and gives them an overall view. And I think that's one of the things that we lose when we bring new people on board too. We just focus right on why they're there and put them in.
0: I get it so many young people that I have had a chance to meet and, and enjoy their company and interview. Wow, you're so darn successful, so young. I can't even wait to see what it's going to be like when you're in your 50s. And they say, I said, what'd you do? Networking group, vision, all the seminars. We got ourselves a coach early on. We didn't wait. We know we needed direction. We didn't know what was around the next corner. Went to college, took some courses on business. Just because you're an artist and a great artist doesn't mean that you can own a gallery.
1: Many students, and again, this I think is a great place to start, I'm going to go out and open my own business. And then you start asking, are you going to rent or are you going to own? There's so many little intricacies to this that if you don't challenge them with that, it's not going to be a success. Very rarely is it going to be a success. Our University of Pennsylvania has a small business division here, and you can actually reach out to them, and they will take you through that process of building your step-by-step way to success, okay, your uh, business plan. And I recommend students to go to this. One of the best things about this plan is that when you start the process and you see everything that they want you to do, that's where we weed people out. You don't have to go through three years of your life, two years of your life to fail You can see up front, that's not where you want to be. So instead of opening my shop, my art gallery, I'm going to put my art in somebody else's gallery that knows what they're doing.
0: There's this forgetting curve. After 30 days, you continue to lose some of the retention that you had if you didn't put stuff to practice. So I started to think long and hard. And this is not a, I'm not trying to hijack this episode with you, but you just made me think about this new page that I created on my website called Conference. We're busy doing recordings and I'm going from class to class, seeing my great friends out there teaching, kind of getting a feel with what's going on with their curriculum. And I say, well, wouldn't it be so cool if some of the theory in here could continue once they leave? Now, of course, they may have a book and all their great notes. But now that I've got this and, you know, I know I really realize I have to do some things with my leadership team. How do I continue a learning process? Well, I created a page on my website called Conference and I bundled... An awful lot of the, you know, over 1100 podcasts in the network. And if you scroll to it, the first one is Succession Group One. And there's four episodes there with brilliant stories, wisdom of the ages to stop and listen to if you're ready to think about selling. How about there's a succession piece, then there's a selling your business piece, and then there's a leadership group one and two. So my point is, if you're struggling, to John's point earlier, and you're not quite 100% sure where you could get some inspiration or some great stories, then the conference page on my website may help, John. And I didn't mean to corral this interview with you, but to me, it's apropos. I just launched this a couple of weeks ago.
1: Well, I think that's great because that's why you are who you are, because you're constantly giving the industry tools, new tools that they can use to make adjustments to their jobs, their businesses, and become profitable.
0: Well, look, I so appreciate this. You have a phenomenal story to talk about your lifeguard and an individual who was afraid of the water. And I just think it's so apropos for our industry.
1: I get chills still when I think about this because I think of this person being one of my, it's not my achievement, but it's their achievement, but to being able to be there and help them. I was an water safety instructor when I was a lifeguard and I taught lessons from little kids all the way up to seniors and stuff. And I had one individual come in, a young lady that was so afraid of water that she could never get her hair washed or wet anywhere but in the sink. I mean, think about that. She was so afraid that she could only wash her. And when she took a shower, her head never went under. And she did everything to keep it up. And she finally one day got the guts to come to a pool and start learning how to overcome this. And where did it come from? Well, apparently one of her family members decided to help her swim was to throw her into the deep water and let it happen. And I'm going to tell you folks right now, that's not a way to do it. Yeah, I survived that. That's how my father did it with me. But many people don't survive it, and it's a lifetime of a battle. They get through to what's going on. But anyway, back to the story: is that through our course, we slowly but surely introduced her to how she can put her head underneath water. And you know what? She even put up with the fact that she was among young kids during so many sessions because it took quite a while to get her through. We got her head underwater. It was a big day. The thing about the story that again I get the chills as soon as I think about it is that a couple years later. I met her and she was now an instructor like I was. So we went from somebody that struggled, somebody that had a daily problem that eventually they realized they went about and looked at it and took care of it, battled through it. And now they're successful. They're showing other people how to swim. That's amazing. That's amazing to see that they've gone that far, not only to get their head underwater, but to go to a point where they can teach how to swim.
0: Amazing story. I mean, you're really talking about facing your fears. I have to tell you, for some people, it's tough. They just can't. The point of, I think, every successful shop owner in their own right, they've gotten help because they didn't know what they didn't know. And that's what hit me when seven and a half years ago when I started to do this. I started to see the threads, the success threads, the success stories in these incredibly brilliant, successful shop owners. And they're not afraid to come on the show and say... I'll never forget Carl Hutchinson coming on and he said it a bunch of episodes ago and he says, yeah, I was a jerk. I was really a jerk. In fact, my wife called me a jerk. And to come on and tell that story, that's cathartic. And, you know, he's implementing EOS. He's got two stores now and some people it takes a little while and some it doesn't. But to face either the weaknesses that you have in not knowing what's around the next corner and uh, how to lead and treat people and all the other great leadership things and that's what we do here on the show for all the podcasts in the aftermarket radio network is we're always teaching and talking that. Uh what did we forget?
1: It's up to you. That individual needs to make that decision to make a change. Uh first, as I said, realize what you can change. And this sounds like, you know, alcoholic analysis realize what you can change and what you can't, change what you can. And um, grab a hold of it. Don't just do it for a day or two. Uh, this, the saying is 30 days makes a habit. If it success and works. And here's the thing. Other shops are doing it. They're, they're, they are they're they're successful. Look at what's happening for them. And you're struggling with the same thing, but they've got it fixed because they know what they're doing. So the individual, it's up to that individual to make that change, to reach for that pull, to reach for that buoy, to put their head underwater.
0: You just inspired me to think about uh, if you're this individual that we've painted this picture of and you say, oh, OK, thank you for helping me understand certain places that I could fix this resources that I could get. But I know it's about me and I have to do this. And so I would I would almost say to you, please dig down deep inside. Put your ego on the shelf because while you're drowning and breathing a little air, your stubbornness is your ego telling you that this is okay. Get in front of your people and tell them the truth. Listen, we're treading water here. We're so busy. You guys are working so hard, but we need to change how we do all this stuff. And I need your help. Not only do I need your help to run a better, smarter, more efficient business, if you think it's efficient now, wait till you see what I have planned. But uh, I'm going to change as an individual. You may like the new me. You may not like the new me. But we have to do this together. I need your ideas. I need your support. I need your input. And when I've heard those stories told that you cannot rudder the ship without mates moving the sails, I'm just saying it because I think it's necessary at the end of this episode to tell someone that it is that they, they can do it. You need to get, grab the pole. And pull yourself out.
1: And as you said, you need the team. You want know, that's where most processes see success. Is that when the whole team's involved from starting the idea and putting it in place and using it? That's where success is. Because the other thing is, your team members, your people under you, may give you ideas of how to do things and take some of that load off of your own shoulder.
0: This was great. Uh, thanks to John Burkhauser, Director of Education, Bulltown. Always, always a pleasure, John.
1: And thank you, Carm. I just want to help people. And if I help one person like someone that put their head underwater, if I help a shop do better, that's what it's all worth.
0: Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time.